better or worse, the relationship between science, film, and media has long been intertwined. We're here to dissect that relationship, turning it inside out for all to see. And throughout the years, one truth has revealed itself. You don't need good science to make a good movie. But it sure makes it better. Hi everyone and welcome to The Real Science Cast, the podcast where three highly qualified professionals pick a movie and then pick apart the science. My name's Kenan Smith. My name is Sean Crossan. And I'm Michael Pace. <laughs> Pace, you sound a little different. Oh yes, I, I just got back from the country club playing tennis <laughs> with my friends. That sounds uh like a normal activity, a normal day in the life of Michael Pace. I'm riding a high of absolute frivolity. So is this so Pace takes a week off and we can just slander anything about him, right? Like we could just make up anything about his lifestyle. <laughs> Your impression is so on point that I thought I was talking to Pace. I don't know how different that is from just the normal tombra of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah, if you haven't guessed, uh Pace is not going to be joining us this episode because he is uh defending his dissertation on thursday so like in the next yeah. few days and he is sort of all in right now so yeah he's real stressed out about studying so he's uh taking the night off from our sweet sweet halloween episode yes but he will be back for the next episode for your regularly scheduled programming hell yeah we're gonna take a couple of seconds here and jump out of the goofs for just a little bit for our special halloween up and then we'll get right back into the funny i promise uh but there's been a lot going on in the news lately uh, that's pretty fucked up for groups of individuals, uh, groups of people who are already pretty, um, who already have to put up with a lot of shit as it is. All of the stuff that's kind of anti-trans, anti-LGBTQ and stuff like that going on really sucks. And I feel like because we've kind of covered it on the show before, although we're both pretty cis, um, <laughs> it feels like we should try and use what little platform we have to uh, say that we're you know, here to support you and do everything that we can and all obviously always here to talk or anything like that and just know that, you know, we're here for you. Yeah. I mean, Kenan basically said it like obviously we aren't dealing with the issues firsthand affecting us, but you know, they affect people we know and yeah. even the people we don't know, we wanna support you as best as we can. Yeah. So the real science boys and I know Pace is on board with this also, he's just not here. Pace definitely is. Yeah. So the real science boys stand with the trans community oh yeah i wish there was more i could do than just say that but you know i know i um yeah i i, I do i guess we're gonna vote yeah and hopefully that helps yeah hopefully that does and just i don't know punch bigots <laughs> i'm not saying you guys should because i'm not gonna incite violence but we'll do it but yeah Kenan's fine with it he he's a big boy he can take care of himself yeah i'll do it send yeah. me an email i'll punch a bigot <laughs> let's do it well, I heard you did something awesome this weekend. I want to hear about that in brief, just okay. so, so that we can vamp a little bit before the episode. All right. I will give everyone a little taste of my experience this past weekend. So mm, yummy. I <laughs> it goes down smooth. <laughs> I went to a music festival with my wife, my wife. and my sister-in-law and her friends. My sister-in-law. And it was called Halloween, and it was in Suwannee florida about an hour away and it was buck wild kenan <laughs> it was 
the crazy it was probably one of the craziest experiences i've had as like i think i'm an actual adult now because i own Mm. a house maybe that's it i don't know (laughs) that's true no you you have a house you have a beard yeah i have a beard and a a house and a car and a cat and i pay taxes so like that's i feel like i'm an adult right like a cat and taxes are the two major yeah. requirements for adulthood. yeah i mean like house take it or leave it but i have a cat and i pay taxes so i'm basically <laughs> an adult but this was the one of the more challenging but also extremely fun experiences i've had getting so mm-hmm. ask away i'm a pro at music festivals now i'm like all in just all grateful dead all the time like, yeah all i do is just you know 420 blaze it right i was gonna <laughs> say how much in uh contain like measurements by container how much weed uh sort of dubers were there there at the music fest at the music festival Mm -hmm. let me put it this way to you kenan Mm -hmm. um sarah and i went to the vip section that was like next to the stage Mm -hmm. and you could kind of go up on this hill and look over the crowd and we went up on the hill and we were looking out at the crowd and we both had the thought Oh, wow. I guess they left the smoke machine on on the stage while they were changing out during sets. Uh, and then we realized that, no, there was no smoke machine on. It was just coming from the crowd of people. Right. So, it was just all chunky vape rips. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> I have no idea. I didn't interview everybody there. There's like 20,000 people. Sir, is that cotton? Sir, sir, is that confirmed cotton? <laughs> cotton confirmed. Yeah, but it was fun. It was a good time, honestly. Good. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Kenna, what did you do? How was your weekend? I went to Asheville uh, and hiked. I bought a sturdy pair of hiking shoes like an adult man. And we walked around, looked at waterfalls. I went to the Sierra Nevada Brewery. Oh, sick. Yep. Got drunk off my ass in the woods and played cornhole. (laughs) Wow, you... Yeah, it was awesome. You're just missing the beard and like, I don't know, a big bowie knife and like a giant dog by your side and you're yeah exactly and i need to ride a bear to work yeah name bruno (laughs) bruno the bear bruno the bear um bruno my bear car he launching his new album (laughs) (laughs) well i'm glad you had a good weekend too kenan it was good man it was great do you think we've like um vamped enough enough for the yeah i'm just so reluctant into getting into this movie because no dude we can do it you're just you just miss pace you're just pace sick no it's not even that we're gonna have to mold the movie we watched young frankenstein into a scientific experience for our listeners hey kenan we do that with every fucking movie we watch (laughs) i mean that's very true that's extremely true Oh, also, happy Halloween. Oh, it's, ooh. Ooh. Yeah, in case it wasn't apparent, we watched Young Frankenstein for a Halloween episode. So yes. Halloween's in two days, so recording early because sh- you're doing something. What are you doing? Uh, well, we were doing it early because Pace was defending the next day. Yeah, But true. now he's but not he's, actually even recording with us. So. He's not even fucking here. But it, well, we're recording early because we would be recording on Halloween night. And yeah. I guess, you know, we, you know, we got lives to live like, well, I mean, you have a house now, so you are at- legally required to hand out candy. Yeah. I also, if I don't get rid of this fucking candy that's in my house, I'm going to die. Like I have to get rid of it. I have a question. Have you gone out purposely and bought giant candy bars so that you will be the house that has giant candy bars? Kenan, I don't even want to get started on this because I have told Sarah for the past three years that we were going to give out full bars and yeah. she came home October 1st with like buckets of like fun size candy what i was like well now we have to get rid of it or i'll eat it all and it's also milk chocolate which is like doubly bad because i'm lactose intolerant (laughs) so it's like it's just a fucking like 
it's bad for my health and my colon just all in once and i'm still eating it because i just can't stop like it's, it's too good that's awesome yeah i've just been just ruining my body with chocolates so. that's how i want to go yeah you know what it's not the be- it's not the worst a messy death by chocolate i also know that it's not i'm not gonna have to deal with the consequences for at least like two to three hours after eating so <laughs> Anyways, that might be a little TMI, but, you know, at least I have a ticking no, clock. No, tell me more about your bad shits. <laughs> no, whoa, get it. Come on, come on. Anyways. Awesome. Yeah, that's why we're recording now, but we should we should do our disclaimers and jump into the movie. Yeah, I'll do, I'll do our first disclaimer. Okay. I feel like we're perfectly poised to have a shortened episode because- Yeah, no, it's perfect. Here. We have two major disclaimers for this episode. Uh, no CWs this time because- it's a Mel Brooks movie. Well, okay, I shouldn't say it's a Mel Brooks movie, so there's no like content warnings <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in lieu of Blazing Saddles, but yeah. there's not much in this one. Uh, we are two sleepy, tired boys, both in postdocs, uh, and we're going to get probably get into a little bit of minutia for this movie. I think that's what Pace says. Uh, maybe talk about some minor science points, and I know that's what everybody's here for. Um, and then, Sean, what's our other disclaimer? Our disclaimer is that we like to curse... Yep. Um, but it's not that we like to it's more like a reflex like we kind of have to can't not so we can't not curse can't not fucking curse I mean it's like 10 it's after 10 o'clock at night so I mean come on I, I don't curse all day I have to curse at night I curse non-stop at my work I mean okay I curse too I was lying <laughs> but I mean get it they didn't know that <laughs> <laughs> you work in academia and everyone I work with is like 30 <laughs> yeah right true shit but yeah, so we might curse a little bit, especially with this movie, because for those of you, if you've never seen Young Frankenstein, please go watch this movie, because it is very, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's, yeah, same. It's fucking hilarious. I love this movie. Um, so it's starring Gene Wilder. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else is in there? We got, let me pull up the IMDb page. Sorry, well, uh, Gene Hackman is also in it. He plays That's a right. blind Gene, Gene Hackman has like a cameo. Yeah. Uh, we got Peter Boyle, who plays Frankenstein. Marty Feldman, who plays Igor. Not, <laughs> um, I fucking love Marty Feldman. Cloris Leachman, Madeline Kahn, Terry Garth. There's a bunch of people in here. Mm-hmm. But yeah, dude, Marty Feldman is hilarious in this movie. Yeah, Clor- Cloris Leachman is also awesome. She plays uh, Frau Blucher. Uh And then Madeline Kahn is in uh, also Blazing Saddles. And uh, it was definitely in, in, oh, High Anxiety. High That's anxiety. Yeah. Ken, is there any way that anytime we say Frau Blucher, you can edit in a horse whinny? <laughs> <laughs> just... I can just you make know. a horse noise if you want. Yeah, I guess. Right. I guess. But I mean, I I have horses right outside here and, you know, they to be more realistic. In sunny Florida. Yeah, dude. There are horses in Florida. Don't act like there's no horses here. Um, so anyway, so those are that's everybody in the movie. Um, I guess, Kenan, do you want to roll for the plot summary? Yeah, let's fucking do it, man. Let's do it. I'm ready to you go. better not fucking cheat this time. I'm not going to cheat. I didn't cheat you last s- time. What? Slander. You definitely did. What'd you roll? A nine. I'm, no, hold on. Eh, can you see it? I'm positioning my camera. Kenan's positioning his camera. You also rolled a nine. I rolled a nine. Yeah. Okay, so I guess that means you have to do it because you're a cheater. False. Let's re-roll. Okay. All right, I guess we'll re-roll. Fine. Seventeen. Two. Eat my butt. You rolled a two. Yep. All right, fine. I'll do the plot. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> 
<laughs> Whatever, dude. I love this movie. I've seen this movie probably like in the double digits. Oh, times. dude. Same. I've seen it a lot. I haven't seen it as many times as I've seen Blazing Saddles because my mom loves Blazing Saddles. Um, Blazing Saddles, in some ways, obviously hasn't aged well. Uh, yeah, you're telling me, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully we don't have too many German listeners because the fake like Transylvanian slash German oh accents in this movie are obviously intentionally over the top. I don't know if it's any more like or less offensive than any of the Italian or Irish accents we've done on this podcast. So Yeah, but you edited those out. <laughs> yeah, all of them, sure. <laughs> well, sure. No, you're right. It's whatever. Um, okay, I will get into the plot of this movie. I want to okay, hear it. So, Young Frankenstein. Yes. I guess for everybody who hasn't seen it or is not familiar with Mel Brooks and his style of movies, uh, let me start by saying this is a parody of the traditional Frankenstein movies. Mm-hmm. So Mel Brooks's movies have, they're very like satirical. They have a lot of like one-liner jokes in them. A lot of like slapstick humor sometimes. A lot of like sight gags uh, too. Yeah, like sight gags, stuff like that. So this movie, when I'm saying the plot, it's basically the plot of any Frankenstein movie, but there it, there's like a comedic element the entire time. So <laughs> Dr. Frederick Frankenstein (laughs) is played by Gene Wilder. We open with him giving a lecture to a bunch of medical students. And this whole experience is basically for him to show his credentials that he is a doctor who's supposed to be world renowned and is a neurosurgeon. Uh, But he's also the great grandson of Dr. Victor Frankenstein, who has plagued the small town in Transylvania by like making these horrific reanimated monsters and stuff like that. So he has a very like infamous family name that Mm -hmm. he is trying to detach himself from. And I guess we'll, we'll go back and talk about the science in this scene because there's actually some science here in this first scene. Um, But we'll get back to it after I finish the summary, but he gets greeted by someone who brings him the will of his grandfather victor frankenstein who just passed away and he has inherited his castle and his laboratory and all that stuff so uh frederick goes to transylvania he takes a train to transylvania he does (laughs) which is which is great from from the u.s he's on he's on it's the exact same scene and i fucking love it because he's on a train to new york and then it cuts to a train to Transylvania. Yeah, like, he's in the same seat and then everyone is just speaking German instead. <laughs> like, yeah, it's the exact same scene, like word for word, but once in English and once in German. And obviously, like, he would have taken a plane, but there's zero implication for it. It's just that yeah. he's on two trains and he's in Transylvania. <laughs> yeah, it's great. So, <laughs> so he gets to Transylvania and he is greeted by um, Igor, who is obviously a parody of Igor, who is supposed to be like dr frankenstein's assistant and so igor igor says that you know his great grandfather was victor's assistant so he's there to assist mm. uh frederick and there's a lot of funny humor about igor played by marty Feldman. Mm. um so he gets him and his uh then he igor introduced him to his lab assistant who is super cute inga terry gar yeah mm-hmm. his lab assistant inga takes him to the castle and uh, Frau Blucher is there, who, <laughs> who every time they say the word Blucher, the horses in the background, Winnie, or like, <laughs> they go into the castle and he is again very resistant 
of his grandfather's research or great grandfather's research. Um, but while he's in the castle, Frau Blucher is like discreetly leaving a trail of breadcrumbs to sort of like get him enticed about picking up his great grandfather's old research. Yeah. So he f- discovers a trap door, finds the like laboratory and private library where like all the reanimation experiments were taking place. And he finds a book that's titled how I did it. Victor Frank by Victor Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he, uh, reads all the notes and this whole movie has a lot of like, so Gene Wilder does a fantastic job, but it's intentionally a lot of his like dialogue is really overacted and extremely intense because it's supposed to like mimic some of the older movies of that era so when he like reads the book, he sits up and like looks at the camera with like crazy eyes and his hair is all crazy and screams like it could work. And he has like this <laughs> big eureka moment where you can tell he's being like convinced as to the science behind reanimation. Right. And he decides that he's going to set out to actually reanimate a dead corpse with the help of his lab, lab assistant and Igor. If you have seen Gene Wilder in you know, any other movie, um, particularly thing like The Producers or Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory or even Silver Streak, which is a great movie. There's just a really uh, awkward and terrible blackface scene at the very end, so uh, take that with a grain of salt. But um, Gene Wilder is pretty relaxed in all those movies. He's super fucking not in this one. Oh, yeah, he's very, like, over the top intentionally. Like, the only scene of Willy Wonka is, like, when at the end when he's like you get nothing and he's like screaming at them yeah it's basically like that type of gene wilder for the whole movie mm-hmm. like he's just very on edge the whole time but it, it's great it the part is really played well so he um decides to undergo these reanimation experiments and they decide they need like a giant corpse and we'll talk about their scientific justification for that but they basically find a recently deceased body. So someone was like a criminal was hanged and buried and they, uh, him and Igor steal the body and bring it back to the lab. And then Igor breaks into a, like, it says like brain repository or something, (laughs) just like a facility with a bunch of brains in jars, which like a real quick aside. And the door to the facility has a slot in the door. It says, if arriving after 5 p.m., slide brains through slot and door, <laughs> which is just great. So <laughs> it's like a Dropbox for brains. So Igor steals uh, the wrong brain. He steals a brain that's labeled abnormal, and they put that into the monster. Mm-hmm. And they do a very like dramatic electricity harnessing scene where they basically harness the power of lightning and like electrify the body and... This causes the monster to eventually come to life. And so then the rest of the movie is pretty much like a classical Frankenstein movie. Like the he's not Frankenstein is understood like he's afraid of fire, but he's also got like a gentle heart. But he gets really, you know, the villagers hate him and Mm -hmm. persecute him. So he's acts out violently towards them. There's a bunch of like one off scenes or like throwaway scenes with Frankenstein not being able to communicate with people or, or just like not knowing how to function. And I don't know, just like with the villagers, like a scene with Gene Hackman where he's blind and he's yeah. like pouring soup into Frankenstein's hot soup into Frankenstein's lap. Yeah, and he like lights his thumb on fire because he's trying to like light a cigar for him, but he's blind, so he lights his thumb on fire. And obviously, <laughs> Frankenstein's afraid of fire, so right. <laughs> there's like funny one-off scenes. 
But basically, like Gene Wilder and everybody, they come to the realization that they're like, we made him. And even though he's got an abnormal brain, like, which is what they say in the movie, they're like, we need to help him, you know? So they're like luring him back to the castle with this violin music over and over. I also want to say, just to like head everything off of the past, we've said Frankenstein in regards to Frankenstein's monster a couple times now. We fucking know. I don't want to hear any... Actually, it's Frankenstein's monster. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah, the doctor. No. Yeah, I don't want to hear it. Tweet at Kenan, not me. Tweet at Pace. You're (laughs) the monster for saying this to us. Yes. So, yeah, so they lure Frankenstein back, and they, you know, try and, I guess, uh, reintegrate him into society by, like, calming him down, trying to get him to communicate. And they have a nice scene where he dance, he tap dances to putting on the Ritz with Gene Wilder mm-hmm. <laughs> um, at a convention, but everything still, you know, all hell breaks loose and Frankenstein breaks free again. And um, they end up Gene Wilder as a last ditch effort to try and save the monster. He does a brain like transfusion where they hook up the monster and Dr. Frankenstein in this machine and they just pump a bunch of liquid from Gene Wilder's head into Frank <laughs> into the monster's head and vice versa for like 15 minutes. And then the monster can now speak like basically at the end, the, vid- the villagers rush in because they're rioting and trying to like, you know, get Dr. Frankenstein and the monster can now speak and he stops everybody. And that's really how the movie ends. Yep. They essentially like all live happily ever after. <laughs> like. <laughs> The monster can speak. Gene Wilder is not damaged by the transfer, and they each have their like respective significant others now, and they go off into the sunset. <laughs> Doctor Frankenstein's fiance from the beginning of the movie has sex with Frankenstein's monster. It uh, causes her hair to turn white, and she becomes the bride of Frankenstein because literally because they had to work it into the story somehow. <laughs> yeah, and Inga, the lab assistant, ends up getting married to. Frederick Frankenstein. Yeah. Frederick. F- Frederick Frankenstein. <laughs> Frederick Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's the end of the movie. Oh, it's so good. It's a, it's a great fucking movie. We skipped over a lot of the, like, humorous scenes, obviously, but, like, goddamn, it's it's very funny. Um, so, Kenan, <laughs> we should jump back and talk about some science, dude. Yeah, dude. I think we absolutely should. And I think the first thing we should talk about is the scene that occurs in Dr. Frankenstein's uh, classroom early in the movie um, where he's discussing nerves and the nervous system of the human body. And he talks about like the differences between um, involuntary and voluntary reflexes. And, and he brings in a, I think it's implied a hobo um, because he's like, give him an extra dollar when he kicks him in the balls. Um, he brings him in in order to display like what a voluntary response is where he tells him to lift his arm in the air and what an involuntary response is where he pretends to knee him in the testicles Um, and he says you can shut down involuntary reflexes by putting a clamp on the back of his neck and then he does it and then he knees him in the balls and then they wheel him out yeah because he's basically while he's doing this lecture is talking about the brain stem and like this is the region of the brain that is responsible for a lot of the like uh i don't want to say like they are involuntary but all like the baseline systems of your body like breathing and like helping to control your heart rate and stuff like that 
um, that you don't need to think about that just happen because you don't need to think about breathing all the time. You know, mm-hmm. like your brainstem is just sort of running these baseline systems in the background. But that's not necessarily in control of all of your reflexes, which is what right. is implied in the movie. But I think that's why they get like the clamp on the back of the head because he's talking about the brainstem and is like, oh, we'll just put a clamp on the brainstem and now I can kick this guy in the balls. I think the idea is that like to kind of evoke the fact that you do have nerves in this area of your body like major nerves not just all the afferent ones that you have you know everywhere that carry out functions but you have things like your phrenic nerves and your vagus nerves are on either side of your neck and things like that are responsible for carrying motor function to things like your heart and your lungs Um, but like sean said they don't they don't control all of your reflexes like your entire body's movement Um, And even if you were to pick out one of these nerves back here that is responsible for sending movements to, like, say, your legs, although those are going to be usually traveling down your spinal cord and inaccessible, even just, like, pressing on someone's neck isn't going to prevent you from firing those nerves and using those motor skills. Right. Yeah, like, you'd... So, like, when Kenan's talking about nerves, and he's, he you mentioned, like, the vagus nerve and stuff like that, like, these are the cranial nerves, and when we're talking about nerves, like, a neuron is a single cell that will, like, shoot an electrical stimuli to electrically stimulate nearby cells or something like that. Right. But uh, when we talk about, like, nerves, this is, like, a huge bundle of all these neurons. Like, it's a th- yep. really, really thick bundle of, like, tons of cells and it's the axons, which are like the long parts that connect to the rest of your body, essentially. That move down um, in really very long fibers and kind of go everywhere. Yeah, start in your brain somewhere and go everywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, you know, so here's a, a good example, Ken. Like, you know how every time people go to the doctor, not every time, but especially when you're young, they test your patellar reflex, which is on your knee, where they yeah. hit your knee with a little hammer and they watch your knee move. They hit like, you with like a uh, like a big mallet. Usually. Yeah, giant like novelty sized mallet that has like one thousand so pounds on it. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of doctor are you going to? Big beard, <laughs> short, uh wears chain mail. You might need to see a new doctor. When they like hit you on the knee and your leg kicks involuntarily, this is a reflex, right? Because you're not like you're you're not using your cortical area which is like the area of your brain where you can regulate voluntary actions where you can basically say like i'm gonna move my arm and like you think about doing it and you just do it mm-hmm. those are your voluntary actions you're not doing that when they're activating this reflex but this reflex also is not mediated by your brain um it happens in your spinal cord so like you get a signal that shoots up the neurons from your knee goes to your spinal cord and then shoots back down and makes your leg move yeah. So like this is totally taking the brainstem and the brain out of the equation. Like this happens at the level of your neurons. Yeah. Oh, sorry, of your spinal cord. I don't know. Just a little science fact for people that like no, no, putting a good. clamp on the brainstem, even if it did work, wouldn't actually affect all of your reflex functions. So this kind of thing, uh, especially in this movie, always reminded me of the Vulcan neck pinch. Um, yeah, that's, yeah. That Spock does in all the Star Trek movies. Um, that is also just a. Uh, Big old bundle of horse shit, as I'm sure most of our listeners know. Oh, dude, if it wasn't, I would do that all the time to people. Yeah, I think one of the like major points I'd ever seen made on that is that like, if the Vulcan neck, p- neck pitch worked, UFC fights would be way shorter than they are now. Oh, yeah, you just go like, boink, and then, and then you'd mind meld with your opponent. Exactly. And just be like, 
And then hey, I'm sorry. <laughs> you'd feel bad about like their parents' divorce, and you once they woke up, you would kind of like connect on a deeper level, and then now you're best friends because you had melded and also knocked them unconscious. Mm-hmm. And then, then awesome. the, the real championship belt is the friends you made along the way. Wow, that's beautiful. It is good, but that originates <laughs> from this idea that like you have these major nerves in your neck, and also I think in part the idea of the sleeper hold. Um, but these two are different in that. In the sleeper hold, you are cutting off the flow of blood to a person's brain until they pass out. Yes, you are pushing for that. You're pushing on the jugular veins. Yep. And you're literally just cutting off blood flow, yep. which will definitely work. Yeah, I think, <laughs> so. I I don't know. I've never put anyone in a sleeper hold because I'm a wispy science lad, but I assume like probably there's also a little bit of suffocation going on there. Yeah, so if you're doing it right, you shouldn't be, like, crushing their windpipe. You should be, like, stopping the blood flow. But I let my cousin put me in a sleeper hold before when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And uh, she definitely almost knocked me unconscious. Like, I had to tap out, so. (laughs) Everything I learned about sleeper holds, I learned from Brock Sampson. The the neck is your handle and the jugular is your button. Just push the button and they fall asleep. That's exactly right, Kenan. So anyway, before we breed a new generation of murderers... um, do we want to move on to our next science thing? Yeah. Do you want to just jump right in and talk about the reanimation? God. I mean, no. Why not? Yeah, let's do it. Listen, Froderick Frankenstein says it's backed up by scientific <laughs> evidence, Kenan. That's Dr. Froderick Frankenstein. Dr. Froderick Frankenstein. He has a medical degree. He knows what he's doing. For those of you that are listeners of the show uh, long term, then you maybe have heard our uh, episode on reanimator. Oh, yeah. Which has similar themes. For those of you that aren't, welcome to the show. Thank you for listening. In Reanimator, they use a like nondescript serum that they just inject into people, into corpses to like reanimate them. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this movie, it's very focused on electrical energy. So once they get their corpse and they put the brain inside the corpse, which like I guess we can talk about that too, about what would what would really like what that would entail in order to actually like make a brain connected to the rest of the body. Yeah. It's a, a big hefty pot of mess in there, but yeah, but they, uh, use the power of lightning from like a thunderstorm to power these big electrical, like old timey machines and just physically zap the body with electrical energy. And that reanimates the entire corpse apparently. Yep. Um, so Kenan, but tell me, what do you think about the idea of using, one, a deceased body, and two, putting a brain inside the body? Oh, my God. Okay. So, let's start with the brain. Yes. We talked about it a little bit on one of our previous episodes. I think Reanimator, but also any episode where we've ever talked about putting someone in the cryosleep. Uh, one of the major problems I have with this, uh, he said critically analyzing the science that went into the Mel Brooks hit Young Frankenstein (laughs) Um, is that the brain having not been inside of a human body for an indeterminate period of time would be a soupy mess of non-functional cells Um, because and I think you're going to get into this a little bit not only is the brain fixed fixed tissue we'll just talk about here in a sec but it hasn't received blood or oxygen in a very 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 long time uh, and this kind of thing causes your cells to go through the type of shutdown procedures such as apoptosis or necrosis or things like that, the kind of cascade as you lose physical connections to the actual parts of your body that give you life. 
um, specifically blood vessels. If your heart's not beating, you can't get oxygen, can't get blood, those cells will die. In regards to sticking it into a person, whenever transplants that involve nerves are done, you have to individually go in and connect every single one of those things within reason. Um, most major nerves need to be reconnected, Some, um, but in general, it would be a massively intensive procedure for him to install a brain into a body that wasn't already ready to accept it with the off chance that both of the pieces involved would be compatible with one another uh, and a brain that has been non-functional forever and a body that has been dead for a while. Wait, are you telling me that we can't reanimate dead corpses? No, not yet. Now, you can do, like, cool experiments with uh, dead tissue. Uh, everybody knows, like, of the, you know, the thing with a frog leg where you can take a frog leg and electri- electrically stimulate it and it'll kick. Um, and that's because you have receptors for those type of electrical stimulation in the form of motor nerves. Uh, but you don't have anything that can keep a body going. That's what I have to say about creating a Frankenstein monster, Sean. <laughs> well, Kenan, you just really fucking rained on my whole parade because I thought that I could give up my career as a gene therapy scientist and just start reanimating corpses. But... I mean, if you wanted to do anything similar, you could just do transplants. I mean, this is kind of what we do. It's just that, like... But then I have to go to medical school, and I'm done with school. I'm not yeah. doing that shit. <laughs> I think I'd rather die than go to medical school, to be honest. Oh, yeah, that sounds awful. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Cody. Cody. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, I mean, so you brought up a point with, like, yes, obviously, if you had, like, a fresh body and a fresh brain that have been, like, instantly killed right there, it would still be an insanely, like, ambitious task to actually reconnect all of the blood vessels and neurons from the brain to the ret- to the spinal cord and everything. Mm-hmm. So that would already be like an insurmountable task. But in this case, they're using brains that are kept in jars, meaning they've been in fixative. And we, when we say the term fixative, we mean like formaldehyde. And anybody who's been in like a high school science class where they've ever done like a dissection before on something, they've used tissue that's been in formaldehyde. And the reason stuff stored in formaldehyde is because it keeps tissues from degrading, but the way it does that is by what it's called cross-linking everything inside the cell. Yeah. And essentially what this is, is it's like you, it's basically like you glue everything in the cell to each other. So it totally destroys any of the function that those proteins or the DNA or everything in the cell normally did because everything is physically modified but you essentially glue everything in place and it keeps stuff from changing and that's why the fixative is great for if you're going to just like study something by cutting it open later but if you were going to bring it back to life you would have literally like irreparably destroyed all of the cells in the entire organism yeah never mind and we should point this out like a brain transplant has never been successfully conducted Um, Yes, right. One one of the major problems, uh, if nerve tissue scars, uh, it does not transmit signals. And that kind of like brings us into this idea as well with the body that they use whose neck was broken. Um, Never mind that like it wasn't just their spinal cord was severed, like it was torn to shreds in order to kill the person. Yeah, the body was hanged. So like they literally just like ripped the spinal cord apart when they did that. Yeah, so I mean like in, in general... This is one of the major barriers to doing any sort of like major brain transplant, whether partial or full, um, because it's just not going to take 
in in a sense. Yeah, um, unless you can like physically reattach every single neuron, which you can't. I mean, there's just like no way right. because they're just too small. You can't get them all. They're not going to heal properly. Like they need to be like in super close proximity to each other when you're reattaching them and they need to be like not damaged too much because if they're damaged the cells will just die yeah so so okay fine kenan but what if we just like it what okay you're telling me i can't do this but what if i just like shocked the body with a bunch of lightning after i put the brain in would that do anything so no for starters i mean it wouldn't we talk- do anything no it would not do anything i mean we talked about this idea in uh shit what was it flatliners about whether or not you could bring a person back to life with uh uh, with a defibrillator, whether or not that's actually used, that's not even the case. Um, so, like, this is basically a giant defibrillator they're using on Frankenstein's monster. Fr- sorry, Frankenstein's monster. Um, <laughs> who never does he ever get a name? Gregory, Abby, someone. <laughs> so Abby Normal is brought back to life with this giant l- lightning bolt or series of electrical shocks, and that can be used to fix a heart arrhythmia but it is not going to instill life in a brain that has been through some of the shit that we've talked about, such as sitting in fixative. <laughs> Pretty sure it would also light him on fire. <laughs> yes, 100%. It would have charred all of like his skin. It was like a lightning bolt. Yeah, it would like char his skin, right? Yes. Like... <laughs> Instead, he just comes down and he's lightly steaming like, uh, hold on, like... Broccoli. Oh. I will say that like there have been studies that have been done where you can use a... Um, a brain-computer interface in order to bypass signals uh, or bypass the spinal cord entirely and come directly from the brain to major motor nerves. Um, So I know this has been done in small mammals. uh, And there is actually, you should look this up, I don't know if it still exists, but at one point there was a company called Cyberdyne Industries, um, just like the fucking Terminator movies. And they were making these chassis that hook to the bottom halves of human beings and used signals from major, uh, major motor nerves that uh, sit at the base of your spine in order to allow you to walk. Um, somebody who has like very little, little ability to walk can use this basically like assisted movement uh, rig that takes signals from the brain and transmit those into physical movement for assisted movement. Um so this is kind of how you could get around the idea that like, oh, dead tissue is not helpful, but we can manipulate what is still there in order to bypass the problems that exist with doing this kind of transplant or this kind of surgeries. Yeah, you could essentially like surgically put an artificial nerve in someone. Right. I mean, that's why I like artificial hands work. So there is cool technology that we can do, but so you're telling me that I can't reanimate a body. No, you can't. And okay. never mind that like, even if you did, this person would have massive brain damage. <laughs> I also, well, they already have an abnormal brain, whatever that right. means. <laughs> Are there any more science scenes you want to talk about? I don't think so, dude. Uh, that's about it for me in regards to the science of Mel Brooks' Young Frankenstein. Sorry, I think I just fucking threw out my shoulder. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm fine. Oh. oh, no, Sean. That's a spooky injury you have. Oh, I'm so scared. It's a spooky Ooh. good time. Oh, God. You should have done, you should, we'll get off the call in a bit and you can do some spooky PT. Yeah, good, good call. I really should. Well, Kenneth, before we do our wrap up, I think since the nature of the movie, mm-hmm. I would love for you to just indulge me with your favorite scene from this great, great oh, film. Oh, man. I, 
this movie I love this movie so much. There's so many things that are in this film that I feel like don't land now. Like jokes that are just like, ah, oh, it's kind of weird now. Like it's not not because of it's you know in poor taste or anything like that. It's just the t- there's something about the timing that just doesn't work anymore. Um, yeah. But the thing that is I think always going to be fucking funny is the scene where Abby Normal, uh, Doctor Frankenstein's monster, uh, goes to. Gene Hackman's house who's playing a blind monk and he's asking God to send him a friend so he can just interact and talk with somebody for a few hours and Abby busts through the fucking door and Gene Hackman's like oh you're a mute you can't make any all you can do is make noises would you like some soup and some wine and a cigar and (laughs) the funniest shit is when Gene Hackman is just talking to him and trying to serve him this boiling hot soup while being blind and is moving the ladle around everywhere and he's just pouring it directly into Abby's crotch. Like, and it is just, I don't know. The faces that he makes is just such good old comedy. Like, that holds a special place in my heart. I was literally just giggling to myself in my apartment while watching this scene. (laughs) That's good. That is a very good scene. I love this movie. I feel like, yeah, part of my love for it is maybe just a lot of nostalgia because I've watched it so long ago and like I've seen it so many times. But I honestly really love his interactions with Igor the entire time. Like just their (laughs) back and forth is really funny. Like how he tells him his name is Froderick. So he tells him his name is Igor instead of Igor. (laughs) And they just like stick with that the entire movie. But I think my my favorite, like, I guess it's a recurring bit more than a scene, is that Igor's hump is just c- constantly switching sides. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, and Gene Wilder will, like, acknowledge it and then just move on and not say anything about it. But right. he'll always be, like, puzzled by his hump just switching sides randomly from scene to scene. That's... I fucking love that. It's just, because it's, like, very subtle, but also... Gene Wilder does such a great job of like his delivery with it is uh-huh. very funny. <laughs> One of the things I like about Mel Brooks movies is that he will very readily abandon continuity in order to make a joke. Like in the very first scene where uh, Gene Wilder first meets Igor, where Dr. Frankenstein first meets Igor. And he says, you know, I don't want to embarrass you, but I am a very skilled surgeon. I could take care of that that hump for you. And Igor goes, what hump? And it's just like a very funny, like one-off joke where he's like, what yeah, are you talking right. about? Like he obviously has a very prominent hump on right. his shoulder. And he's and just then, like. <laughs> and then later on, like not even four scenes later, Igor goes, I have a hunch. And then like pats his shoulder and goes, ba-dooms. <laughs> yeah. It's just so, God, it's great. Yeah. I love the like the one-off jokes. This, it's so good. Ugh. Hopefully, Pace will watch this movie still. We, I can't. He's, not, he's never seen it. Seen yeah, he's never seen it. So, oh well. All right, Kenan, should we rate this? Yeah, dude. I think we should. Whoa, you got me. Wait, hold on. Sorry. Sweet. Good. We're in the spooky rating. This is the spooky rating zone. Sean, why don't you kick us off? Mm, I did the plot, but that's fine. <laughs> I don't care. It's so easy. All right. It's, this, is, this is an easy. Science, one out of five. It's Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah. Not possible. 
like it's not even a question whether or not the science is accurate <laughs> movie rating fucking five out of five will love this movie watched it like so many times recommend it to anybody it's a great movie yeah Kenan, what, what about you? My ratings are exactly the same. Like, yeah, I mean, it's like a slam dunk, right? Like even, <laughs> even the science that is in the movie, like the one bit of science where it's like, oh, the people who did this movie, obviously this is not at all what the movie's about, and it does not give a shit whether or not the science is right, and that's fine because it's not the point. But the like one bit of science where it's clear that they did a little bit of reading so that they could add to the script scientific rhetoric the science is just straight up fucking wrong yes yeah it definitely is yeah (laughs) like it's so far removed from what is factual that yeah no it deserves a one for science which is yeah for sure it's this spooky good time that's a great movie man it's so good the scene i almost picked the scene where um gene wilder and frankenstein sing uh putting on the ritz but (laughs) (laughs) but you know (laughs) <laughs> so we'll just have good. to we'll leave that as like for people who haven't watched it just just watch it it's really good just it's actually it. perfect for halloween too because it's like got a lot of those overacting like spooky like the setting is really spooky and stuff but just the content is like such a parody it's it's great yeah and there are a couple jokes early on that just like don't land but give it just just watch the whole thing yeah it's, i mean it's an older movie yeah for sure. it's an old movie all right, well, let's answer a couple questions and then give some thanks to some peeps for uh, helping us out and then wrap this bad boy up. All right, let's do it. I got candy to go eat. Do we have any questions? We do. Our first question is one that we never addressed from our good friend, Tori Mackle, uh, that's actually about Interstellar. Uh, and they say, when considering the impact of long-term space travel on the human body, how do you estimate that the physiology of the crew would have changed during the duration of their trip to Saturn? Okay, love you. Bye, Tori. Well, that is a very wonderful question, Tori. Thank, Thank you, you for the question. Friend of the podcast, Tori. I would venture that um, so long-term space travel, even though like people can take actions to try and like exercise and do things to keep their muscle mass up. Mm-hmm. Um Losing bone density and muscle mass is, like, just a thing that will happen to you from being in a zero-gravity environment. Yeah. Um, Because, like, your bones actually use, like, pressure signals to the cells that are in your bones that make your bones. They use, like, pressure to stimulate them. So when you have no impact pressure, you will just start losing bone density, and it just happens over time. Right. So I think that... They would look kind of like uh, skeletons, like flimsy skeletons. Yes, they'd be wispy paper people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, your body does this, uh, a lot of this on in different things um, where it uses use signals in order to sort of adapt and change. Um, I mean, you mentioned like the, you know, maintaining bone density in the in, in lieu of use. Like one of a cool one of the cool examples of that is if you look at the if you ever look at an x-ray of like a high resolution x-ray of a tennis player they have this crazy curve in their forearm um, because of the stress of the ball hitting the racket so many times it forms this like perfect shape where the highest amount of stress is on that bone and the density in that area increases 
Yeah, the cells in your bones actually start making more bone matter because yeah. they're just so used to repetitive like stress, which is crazy that we can do that. It's so cool. It's another reason why like you shouldn't only and this is a different type of thing where you shouldn't only eat soft foods or like people tell you not to feed a cat only soft food, especially at a younger age, because their teeth are going to get brittle and fall out. Like because there's no stimulation happening in that area of the body in order to maintain the level of like impact resistance. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. I, I don't know. I think it's really cool that we can do that, but yeah, they would be pretty bad off, but thank you for the question, Tori. Yeah. And that actually, so there was one other thing that we talked about in interstellar that actually has been bugging me for a little bit because I found the information on it later, but I think the reason, or at least like the editorial reason for putting them in water like the like weird water bag coffin. Oh yeah, yeah. Is to reduce the effect of g forces on the body. So because they're sitting in this like coffin, if they were just in an empty space, then whenever they're accelerating, it would focus the pressure of whatever forces are enacting on them on specific points on the body. But if they are suspended in water, and this is apparently something that people do. Uh, it will distribute everything evenly. Um, so by suspending yourself in water, you avoid like causing injury to the body in specific areas because of G forces. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, but they're also just like in a zero gravity environment all the way to Saturn. Yeah, no, I know. I like <laughs> like that. That never mind that the rest of the science in the movie is fucking bullshit. But it's something yeah. that's been bugging me, and I wanted to bring it up. No, you're but, right. That's a good point because we were curious about that. We were like, is this just for like dramatic effect? Like. Yeah. Yeah, but apparently, like, you can use water suspension systems in order to avoid that. That's kind of cool. That makes sense. Yeah. Cool. Uh, do we have... I think we have one more question, right, Kenan? We do. Do you want to read it? Yeah. Okay, so we have a question from friend of the show, Anthony Martinez, and he has sort of a uh, quick statement about the status of Enemy of the Podcast, Doug, and mm. then also a real question. So I'm going to read his quick status update of what he thinks... How he thinks we should handle the menace doug miller um mm -hmm. and he says i think it only makes sense that for your first live show it should start with a fight to the death with myself and doug and if i win you never do wild wild west and if he wins you can only do wild wild west <laughs> no weapons steel cage and wrestling costume is a must <laughs> i think this is good this is a good way and this also i really like the idea of doug not having a katana and killing us yeah so this way anthony is sort of like He's our champion, right? right. Like he's our he, he's our fucking Luke Skywalker, and Doug is Darth Vader. Like it's a very melodramatic scene we've got set up here. But yeah, I think he's our Oberyn Martell. If we're gonna put our trust in anyone, it's gonna be Anthony for yes, sure. So for sure, Anthony, we'll we'll take you up on that. You can definitely kill Doug for us. Anthony, Sorry, Doug. I do like that idea, but the thought of you—I need you to train hard because the thought of us only ever watching Wild Wild West over and over, over and over, ugh, over and over again—I think is a fate worse than death. So, oh yeah, it's—it would be so bad if Doug happened to squeeze out a victory. It would right. be really bad. I mean, we would—the show would be over because we we can't do that. We, we just can't dissolve. do it. So, <laughs> <laughs> let me read his real question. So, Anthony has a question about Snowpiercer. Um, so he asks if the train was putting out waste that was flammable, wouldn't they be able to use that for fuel? Keep up the great work. That's a Anthony. pretty fucking good question. It's a great question. I mean, we actually kind of brought that up, right? Didn't mm -hmm. Pace bring that up? That like, yeah. why would it be so flammable if it was being used as fuel? Because traditional train engines are going to be run on some combustion reaction or traditional yep. engines in general. He mentioned specifically that like 
it should be consumed in the process of whatever energy expenditure is happening. Yeah. I I think the only way to try and like semi-rationalize it is that the engine that they're using to power the train is not run on a combustion reaction. Yeah. That's like the only thing I could think. Like if it's nuclear powered, you wouldn't necessarily use up the flammable aspect, Mm -hmm. but also nuclear stuff isn't, necessarily flammable like normally because the actual like byproduct is just the decayed waste of like whatever radioactive metal or thing you're using yeah so that is a good point like for any engines that we or that i know of at least you would expect that the flammable nature would make it usable as fuel but well and never mind the fact that like there's it's touted as this contained system um so at the very least, you bring up the point that, like, there should have been a throwaway line in the sh- in the movie that talked about the fact that, like, yes, the tail end of the section uses it for drugs, but the front end of the section uses whatever waste is there for something that requires combustion. Um, yeah. Because think. the idea, like, that it just makes extraneous waste runs completely counter to the point of the entire film. Well, also, like, they keep talking about it being a closed system, but they also do bring in water from the outside. Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah, like. Straight up. Yeah. But yeah, that, I mean, that's a good question, Anthony. And so just a one more scientific flaw in the movie Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer <laughs> in, the, <laughs> in the comic book style movie Snowpiercer. Uh, but thank you for your question. Yeah, thank you very much. Do we have have anything else we got to do? Any more housekeeping? Well, stuff? I do want to give a huge fucking thank you to a friend of the podcast, Matt Lacari or Boogs, uh, for becoming a Patreon on our uh, Patreon Be- becoming page. a Patreon. Thanks, Matt, for becoming a Patreon. I mean, fuck <laughs> for becoming a patron. <laughs> thank you for morphing your body into a Patreon page. <laughs> yes, thank you, Matt. And I go way back, so yeah, really in like a really weird, crazy way. You guys met yeah. before you and I met. Yes, we did. But yeah, so thank you, Matt. If you want to become a patron, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash realsciencecast. And that is where, you know, if you want to help support the show, uh, sort of give back to the content creators that are us or help us with achieving our goals of getting new equipment or releasing bonus episodes, that is really the best way to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, the show is still going to remain free, uh, but any bit helps so we appreciate everybody who is our patrons right now even though we really dig and dug a lot we really do appreciate his patronage to the show absolutely um yeah so thank you matt and do we have any what else can should we just announce our movies hell yeah i mean uh, as we announced in the last episode uh we are going to do armageddon uh next week we should be recording that i think two weeks from now that sounds right so get us your questions for any space-based crazy asteroid antics that you want to hear about. Yeah, and that suggestion was sent in by enemy of the podcast, Doug Miller. So Absolutely. thank you, Doug, for a non-Wild Wild West suggestion. <laughs> exactly. And that was actually one of Doug's uh, Patreon suggestions. So yeah. our first tier on Patreon is that if you subscribe and send us an email with three movie suggestions, we will watch them. Uh, Boogs uh, did send us three suggestions, but all of them were uh, songs that he wanted to hear Real Big Fish play. Um, (laughs) which like i could sing sell out for you but it's just not going to be the same without the ska band like backing me up you know like you really need the instruments i've never heard sell out so why don't we yes you yes you have once 
once we finish up, we wrap up, instead of our uh, thing, why don't you sing it and I'll play the saxophone or whatever? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Right, yeah, good. yeah, yeah. That's a great That's idea, good. Ken. And of course, I'm going to do that 100%. Hell yeah, I'm excited. Uh, so good. if you want to get in touch with us, ask us questions, go to Real Science Cast or send us an email at realsciencecast at gmail.com. Uh, go to our Twitter, which is at Real Science Cast, or find us on Facebook under Real Science Cast as well. Yes. And just real quick also, for those of you that really would like to plan ahead, in a month from now, uh, after we do Armageddon, we're going to be doing Inside Out, which was a movie suggestion from patron Bart Hoffman. So friend yeah. of the show, Bart, thank you for your suggestion. We've actually been back and forth about doing this movie. And so now we're just diving in because because you suggested it and you're yeah, a patron. Dude. So we're going to do it. So thank you. You cracked the whip. Yeah, you did. You, Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Meow. All right. So my name is Ken Smith. My name is Sean Crossan. Go ahead, Sean. Was that sell out? Sky music. Why aren't you singing? Sell out. Glass of water while you do this real quick. Okay. Oh, my butt's so sweaty. You. Sweaty butt. Sweaty butt. Sweaty butt. Sean's got the sweatiest butt ever to be a butt. Dun, 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 dun. Sean's got the sweatiest butt ever to be a butt. He's got a sweaty butt. Sweetie bud, bu- 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 sweetie bud. You're fucking killing me, Kevin. <laughs>